0: Macau was like a totally different planet. When I arrived the first time, that's how I felt. We're all human beings. We all want to be happy in life. We all want to feel loved and loved. And that's, that's the most important, basically. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre Art
1: Life podcast sponsored by Harlequin Floors, world leader in floors, stage systems, and studio equipment for the performing arts. The Theatre Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. And my name is Ana Robb. And today we're talking
2: to Ksenia Tikina.
1: Ksenia is an artistic coordinator, dance captain, and dancer. Originally from Russia, Ksenia has performed and worked in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Ksenia is currently the Artistic Coach of *La World by Dragon*, a permanent show in Dubai in the UAE. Hi, welcome.
2: Hi. <laughs> so good to see your face, Ksenia. I wanted to talk to you because we've been t- speaking to a couple of people that work in the artistic realm recently, and uh, it's always good to hear different perspectives. So I want to start with about how you got started in dancing and how
0: you got into the entertainment industry to begin with before we talk about what you do now. So I started dancing when I was uh, still a kid. Uh, I think my mom, she always wanted to be a dancer herself, but uh, somehow she ended up in gymnastics. So that's why she wanted me to be a dancer, obviously to fulfill her childhood dreams, probably in the beginning. (laughs) And uh, later on, she realized that I really liked it and don't want to sound selfish or anything, but I started to be good at it. Because at the same time, I was dancing and I was swimming as well. So it was like two, uh, two things I was doing when I was a kid. And at some point, a coach in the swimming pool, she said, okay, this is the moment when you need to decide what she's going to do. One or two, because that's not going to be possible to do both. And that's when my mom decided, okay, she's going to go swimming. Oh, sorry, dancing. <laughs> now I'm really happy because I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I'm looking at the swimming ladies, I'm like, oh. Thank God (laughs) I went into dancing. And I danced in Russia for a little bit. And after I got invited to study in Paris in the dance academy, that's how I moved into Europe with my friends together. We stayed, we lived there for six and a half years. In the beginning, we were just studying, but after we started getting little gigs here and there. So we traveled around. France a lot, France and Belgium with uh, the tours and joined the musical world after because I did Notre Dame and Romeo and Juliet as a musical as well uh, and we toured in South Korea and China and that's how I heard about Macau and my ex-boyfriend was working there so I kind of sent my CV through him. And they contacted me and they invited me to do the audition. So I came, I did the audition and I stayed in Macau for well, like eight years on and off in the end. Going from dancer to dance captain to artistic coordinator for cast changeover. And stayed basically there until the show, well, not until the show closed, but until the whole change started to happen. And then I left and had a bit of a break. Uh, at home and got invited to work in La Perle as a assistant stage manager first, which transferred into artistic coach probably like three months later.
2: That's, a, that's funny that you had a little bit of a brief moment in stage management before you went back to artistic coach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was awesome. I really loved it. I really loved it. Also, I realized for myself, I'm like, I cannot have so much responsibility during the show like of all the artists around I cannot handle this I cannot (laughs) handle this and I have such a respect for all the stage managers who are actually doing this because I couldn't yeah wow I was freaking out every time I was running the show backstage I was freaking out (laughs) (laughs) what were you freaking out about I was freaking out that something is going to happen and i won't be able to do what i have to do at the moment <laughs> although which is weird because as a dancer for example in macau and as a dance captain we had a lot of situations when there was a show stop and there needed to be a quick decision made quickly and i was doing it and I, every everything was fine but somehow it doesn't feel the same way when you were not on stage when you're backstage and you're kind of the brain of the operation on what to do and how to do and who needs to go there and who needs to go there so yeah no i was like (laughs) it was great fun and it was awesome to learn it from a totally different perspective but i'm pretty happy that i'm back into like artistic coaching uh, position that's kind of
1: an interesting little story there a segue to make you treasure what you really like.
0: As well, yeah, that's true.
1: And how did you transition from being a dancer to a dance captain and then slowly getting more responsibilities now that you're a coach? How how has that worked for you? Challenges and
0: I think in the beginning it was a little bit difficult because obviously you're working in a group of people we and we're all on the same level and suddenly Someone decides that you are gonna step up a little bit and you're gonna be in charge of that group of uh, dancers, but I was very grateful for the people that I worked with in Macau for the girls in general because uh no one had a problem, and no one it wasn't there wasn't any jealousy or anything, and everyone was understandable and well, understanding that basically at work, yes okay, I'm maybe in more control of little things then i need to uh take care of this part but outside of work there was no separation or anything because i think that's what i was scared the most before taking this job because i didn't know how everyone else around me is gonna react to this and if they're gonna continue talking to me outside of work as if i was in a higher position somehow uh, but that didn't happen, and that was fine. But in terms of responsibilities, somehow, of course, it was difficult. And in the beginning, I needed to learn a lot of things very quickly, and I was really confused. And thank to artistic coordinator back then, Kirk. Actually, it was Kirk back then, still, mm. and um, he really helped me a lot. And a couple of dancers who stayed from uh, the beginning, beginning, they helped me a lot as well. But I don't know. It felt natural somehow it was difficult it was a lot of information but it felt really like that's where I'm supposed to be Mm. that's interesting
2: and and weirdly yeah no but I think you have knowing you I I think that you have a quite a natural tendency to be an organized person to you know be able to do that role like it's it it is a Mm -hmm. separate skill set from the actual dance skill set right and I don't think everybody suits going it's not the trajectory for every dancer to it's not a step up it's a different role like you 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 own it as a I mean a lot of people might do it in smaller companies by attrition but in big shows like that it's a big role to start to facilitate any kind of coordination on that
0: on that level right yeah for sure for sure and what does especially that... when it started growing like more and more from yeah. like dance captain to choreography captain more responsibilities yeah I think at some point I was like okay I just need to calm down and take a little breath at the (laughs) moment but um, yeah so what does what
2: does artistic coach mean in the context of lapel because we're throwing these terms around like we all know what they are but what what does artistic coach mean for you for what you do now
0: so basically I'm in charge of uh, choreographies in the show I'm in charge of Characters as well. We have five characters in total. Uh so I'm in charge of them. We're doing workshops with them. We're doing rehearsals, obviously. I'm in close contact with artistic director. Uh, we're doing together schedules with me, artistic director and acrobatic coach as well. We're doing schedules, we're scheduling rehearsals, and yeah, just working with them in basically we're trying to. Still, because after COVID happened, the show closed and after it reopened, but with less people. So they needed to uh, rearrange a lot of things. So now that we have more people back, we're rearranging things back to its creation uh, points, let's say. So, yeah, it's still ongoing. Basically, it's still ongoing creation at the moment, which is really exciting. <laughs>
2: And uh, also, LaPel does a lot of events and external activities, not just the show, right? And are you involved in any of that?
0: For the past couple of the events that we've done, no. Artistically, we're not involved. Basically, it's more uh, the technical crew and SM departments mm-hmm. that are involved in this, and obviously, artistic director as well. But as a coach, uh, at the moment, now maybe once I think at the event we needed, because sometimes. The events company, they're asking to include some of the acts from the show into the event. So then we obviously have to be backstage just to supervise if everything goes good. But in terms of uh, creating something for the events, didn't happen yet. Mm. But let's see, maybe it will one day.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that show is forever in creation mode. mode. Mm-hmm. always and
2: <laughs> Annie used to work on it too for a while
0: what, what year did you work on oh that? I know I know I've seen the picture in the same uh, in the, same the office <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no that that's a very cool transition that you've had that it feels like to you it's been very organic and you've felt into the roles other than maybe doing a little segue through stage management uh but you've felt into the roles that you were supposed to kind of grow and transition to and you've done, well, a couple of long-term or long, yeah, resident shows that are open for, for a long time. So what are kind of like the, the pros and cons of working in this kind of shows that are not the traditional we create, we open, we do a few shows, and then close. And this one, you, you might be forever there for eight years, for example, in the case of the
0: house. I thought straight away about stability, but also I don't know if it's a plus or a minus, actually, like if it's an (laughs) advantage or disadvantage, because that can be taken in two different ways. I think for me, if I'm talking about stability, that was a plus for sure in the beginning. But after, when you're getting really used to the whole situation and the whole operations, it's at some point i think it starts to get a little bit boring and you need another challenge that's when you think okay maybe it's time to go but at the same time you're running between both okay i want a challenge but at the same time i don't know if i'm going to have stability later on and here i have stability so why would i go uh so it's like a dilemma i think everyone is going through this dilemma who are working in resident shows in general i really loved back before when i was working on tours let's say we were touring every city every two or three days and it was great and i was young i was 18 20 years old and it was incredible experience going around europe going around uh, asia it was really really cool but I, I think right now, I'm not sure if I would do this right now, being with like a suitcase every three days, getting old over here too. <laughs> I really like my, my, my comfort and uh, my moments and my space as well. I think that's, the, that's one of the most important things as well. When you have time to create your own little space at home that you want to come back to as well Mm. because yes hotels are great and you have free food and they clean for you and everything but uh, it's still not the same thing it's there's no soul in your house like it in a hotel somehow so
2: yeah I think that's funny because during the pandemic, a lot of people were going in this part of the world were going on like staycations to hotels. And I was just like, that's my idea of hell. <laughs> like why would I leave my home to go stay in a hotel? <laughs> that is not a holiday that is I'm at work if I'm sitting in a hotel, you know
0: so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's your what would you say, like in terms of lifestyle and and living? you know it's kind of interesting. you've gone from Macau to Dubai. And so culturally, how does that compare, like, in terms of living your life? You, you say, okay, now I'm happy to stay in one place, but it's a, it's a very different place, like, culturally. And what, for those who haven't been to Macau or haven't been to Dubai, what's that
0: like as a, as a, an artistic person living in both of those cultures? I think in Macau it was a little bit more, I don't want to say difficult or complicated. I don't really know how to which word to use and this not but Macau was like a totally different planet on when I arrived the first time that's how I felt I'm on a totally different planet people are you see people doing exactly the same things as everywhere else but obviously the mentality is different the culture is different and it's been years and years and years and for a new person to arrive, obviously, it's a totally different experience, which I loved as well, because I love learning about different cultures and I love learning how just the normal life, how people are living and what are the things they're doing every day in their lives, just in different places. Uh, in Dubai, I think a lot of people think that before coming to Obviously, Muslim countries are also very different between them. But every time when people are thinking coming to Muslim country, obviously, you have those rules straight away. That basically the media is putting out there that you cannot do this, you cannot do that. This is forbidden. This is forbidden, which in general, probably, yes, it is what it is. But I didn't feel that way when I arrived in Dubai because probably as well in an artistic world here, it's more free and like expats are allowed. I'm, I'm not saying that they're allowed more, but it's, it's easier because we're always turning around in the same, not in the same circle. There is, it, it's a huge circle of entertainment business here, but somehow it feels free for us. Obviously, mm. yes, there are, the rules that you need to follow if you go into a governmental place or just as a respect to other Emiratis who are living here, which we're doing as well. But, um, yeah, it it wasn't that difficult, actually. I thought it will be. But in the end, I do not, although I'm speaking about myself, but I know a lot of people who had the, not issues, but it was more difficult for them to... Live here from the beginning when they were arriving. It was really hard, starting with weather, but also the culture and the religion. Now, speaking about this, I don't think I think about this that much either. Like the separation, mm-hmm. you know, for me, we're all, yeah, we have different religions, we're coming from different places, but we're all the same in the end. We're all human beings. We all want to be happy in life we all want to feel loved and love and that's that's the most important basically Hmm.
2: i love that philosophy
3: and now a moment for our sponsor the theater art life podcast is proud to be sponsored by harlequin harlequin is the world leader in floors stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools, from the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N-floors.com.
1: Yeah, well, I guess uh, I was actually talking to someone today and I was saying that Dubai really is a multicultural international city and the fact that it's only about 10% of the population is Emirati. It's not only Mm -hmm. that entertainment is big, it's like wherever you go, it's people from everywhere and that's... uh, That definitely adds some value and richness to the the culture and to the place.
0: Oh, for sure. And there's so many things that are happening every day. Obviously, right now, Expo is going on. So that's a big big event that's going on for six months already. And what they're closing in a couple of days, basically, in the end of March. But in general, there's every time there's something happening. And I honestly, I cannot keep up because I know... a lot of people from the company they're like going out and seeing places I cannot I'm so tired after work I was like I'm gonna come home and just like meditate do a little bit of yoga and just relax
2: (laughs) (laughs) taking the chill life I think it is I think the the other thing that's interesting about UIE is that they're quite like they they they're quite audacious about what they want to do they they put you know, they they put it out there and they've done some amazing things at Expo over the last 12 months It's just been absolutely incredible. And when you hear stories mm-hmm. about, and nobody, like, I think in the global media sense of entertainment, there's just not enough talk about what goes on in Dubai because it's kind of still from a newsworthy perspective, quite isolated. Yes, we know about La Pearl and yes, but, but you know, when they talk about, you know, the they live streamed to space at the Wuzzle Dome, and they had a robot mm-hmm. orchestra, and they've had like they've like done some crazy things. And and the UAE, whenever I've worked over there, has felt like that. It's like the the sky's the limit. Let's see what we can um, make happen, which is kind of a fun. Yeah, that's why I think entertainment is thriving there because uh, people they have got money there and they're, they're willing to invest in it, and they they want to see crazy stuff happen. And I think that's why it's a great growing market
0: in that part of the world. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because also just recently I heard that uh, basically I think not in Dubai but in another Emirates close by, they're going to build win. Win, as in what, the casino? Yes.
2: Oh. Is casinos mm-hmm. allowed in, in the UAE?
1: What I, I heard they were going to, this is a rumor though, I should Google it, but that they were going to start allowing gambling. Yeah. I don't know if it's true.
2: Wow! Oh, that'll be a game changer, won't it?
1: Yeah, that, mm-hmm. it, will, it will be a game changer.
2: My goodness! For my goodness! Sure. So, what's the future hold for you, Ksenia? In terms of where you want to go, like, what's your what's your dream job? Is, is this it, or is there is, is there something a show or a place or
0: a role that you want to undertake? I was thinking about this for a long time, actually, especially during the whole covid when covid happened and everyone was sitting in the house and that was the time to actually think what do i want to do later on and I'm not sure i still found the question uh, the answer to this question actually because there are a lot of things that i want to do and those things are completely different from i don't know working on a show or going back into performing or opening my own coffee shop or opening a yoga studio somewhere in the middle of a jungle. It, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's still, it's still in process. I'm not, I would love to learn more about theatrical part of interte- more. I, I always was interested in acting and when I was a kid, I always wanted to go to like an acting university, which didn't happen. But I think now it's coming back slowly. So I ordered a lot of books. Uh, They're talking about acting and different systems and everything. So I have like uh, 10 of them to read, <laughs> which is awesome because I have, it will give me a lot of exercises to do. And which is awesome because I'm going to apply all those exercises in La Perle. So I told them straight away from the beginning, uh, you're going to be my lab rats, kind of. <laughs> in a way but yeah at the same time I'm thinking oh I didn't sometimes I'm not I'm regretting but I wish I could have performed a little bit more before taking on a coaching job so sometimes I'm thinking oh maybe I still can find uh, not as a dancer probably because the level at the moment is really high. And I didn't dance for a very long time, except improvising in a dance studio by myself, but that's not uh, going to do uh, the job. But uh, yeah, it's, there's still this uh, wheel to share what I have inside, but share it through my body as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe different projects. I have little projects inside as well, uh, inside my head. Or like little video creations together with not specifically a dancer, but just a person. It may be an acrobat, it may be an act, different act, but combining it with poetry together, nice. like no music involved or anything like this, just people basically are gonna connect together with the poetry and their body and body and poetry basically. But also. I would love, as I did yoga teacher training two years ago, I think now, uh, I did 200 hours, so I would like to continue on that as well. I would like to do 300 hours and 500 hours, which is going to be a bit complicated because obviously right now I'm working, so I cannot do it at the moment. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like every time people are asking me, where do you want to leave? I feel like Europe comes to mind straight away. Don't know exactly where, but somehow Europe is there. But also Southeast Asia, I wouldn't mind to live in Thailand or in Bali somewhere as well. So yeah, I don't know, still still in process Yeah, of figuring that out. <laughs> it's all
2: open, it's all open. Uh, I think it's good. I mean, you know, you don't have to have one designated goal. I think, you, you know, you can go in many different directions and find satisfaction mm-hmm. and and, and lo- hopefully life is long so you've got time to do them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> so what's the best thing about your job or your role that you would say What's the, right now at the job that you have, what's your most favourite part of the day or moment
0: or thing that you do within that? I think it's coming to work and saying hi to everyone, especially in the beginning of the week. I love it. I love connecting to people and re- especially when everyone is in a good mood, obviously we all go in through waves <laughs> and this is completely normal. But yeah, I think connecting with people, that's the best part, even if it has nothing to do with like artistic coaching or anything yeah little interactions between each of us in the theater i think that's the that's the best part i love that answer (laughs) yeah Mm. that's super sweet (laughs) the little things because the amount of information as well even if we're not talking specifically about the show but just little conversations that we're having the amount of information you're getting from it and Mm. because it's multicultural show as well we have people from different countries it's super interesting yeah. I, I think I'm like amazed every time especially when I'm talking about it and I'm realizing it more and more it's incredible how all of us as like an organism we're working together creating those little connections yeah it's it's pretty cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it And if you could change one thing about the industry or your job, what would it be?
0: I don't know. Yeah, at the moment, I think as a job, I won't change anything. As an industry in general, maybe it's not a change in terms of operations, but maybe trying to deliver entertainment to the parts of the world where there's none, or it's more difficult for them to get it. So they're included in this part, in this like circle as well. And they're, even if, because obviously this has a lot to do with money and sponsoring and investors. So obviously some regions in the world, they don't have this opportunity, which doesn't mean that they don't have any. That they don't create anything themselves. If we're talking about, like, let's say tribes, they still have their own uh entertainment going on, but which we don't know much about. And that would be really nice if that could be shared, and we could share with them um, what we learned already, and they could share with us what they were doing through all these years, through all these generations. Just like opening doors more to Mm. transfer information and to just connect more and uh, learn more and teach more. Mm. That's a beautiful vision,
2: actually, I think. I think that's a great answer. See? It was the if you had if I had given you time to think about it, you would have
0: you would have come up with something different. Yeah, probably I would have said something not not that interesting, something boring. (laughs) Okay, we need to change this, this and this.
2: Yeah. No, but it is true. I mean, what you say is really there's like art should be everywhere and artistic expression is everywhere. And there's a lot of spotlight on the places that can afford to produce it and show it. And Mm There's talent and beautiful things going on. Uh, I was just last night talking about a a, bi- a beautiful experience. I had it in South Africa many years ago with a deaf dance group, you know, who heard music for the first time through bass speakers because they could feel the music. And it was a really beautiful experience for me um, and and it has filled me up in my life throughout all these experiences Whereas, where I've got to go. And I, I think there needs to be more, like the more that people the more we get to connect with sort of those communities or those places that don't have access, the more creativity that can spurn from that. And I think that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. So we've got to go make I some more goosebumps. shows. When
0: you're, when you're telling me this story, I had goosebumps. <laughs>
2: I have to tell you the whole story. It's just really, really beautiful. But the um, uh, we have to all get together and go make shows in the middle of nowhere. That's what we have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in. Let's go on some artistic missions. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad idea. I'm going to put that on my list of to-do things, my my bucket list. Uh, A real tour around the world. Absolutely. A real one (laughs) where we go everywhere. (laughs) Ksenia, thank you so much for t- uh, talking with us today on the Theatre Art Life podcast. So it's such a joy to uh, to see you again and and, and catch up and, and hear more about your work and
0: life. So thank you. Thank you. I really loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope you'll have a beautiful day wherever you are. And I hope I'll talk to you soon as well.
1: Theatre Art Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only thirty-eight U.S. dollars per year.